Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Academic Life, a podcast series here on New Books Network. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler, the host of the channel. Today, we're sharing another pandemic perspective, this time from an adjunct. My guest today is Don Frattini, who's an adjunct professor and has been for 20 years, and she works currently at Chapman University, and her specialty is film studies. Welcome to the show, Don. Hi, Christina. Thank you. So I'm really glad that you're here and that we get to uh, do this interview and hear about your expertise as an adjunct. But before we get to that, will you please tell us a bit about yourself? Okay. Well, I have been an adjunct professor at various locations, but I've been primarily at Chapman University for about 10 years now. Um, I had I have experience as an adjunct professor at uh, California Community Colleges and also within the Cal State system. Um, So I have had a variety of teaching experiences at different institutions. Chapman is a private university, by the way. And uh, at Chapman, I am a professor of film studies within a film school situation, which is kind of a unique um, incarnation. So most of my students are there to learn filmmaking even though I am actually a professor of film history. So that's my um, field. And uh, my research interests and expertise are in Hollywood histories, primarily in mid-century Hollywood and Hollywood technologies. So that leads me to my next question, which is, would you tell us a little bit about your own educational path and what particularly drew you to this aspect of film studies? (laughs) Yeah, well, um, I started off in in, um, in my youth uh, as a writer, and I got a master's degree, an MFA in screenwriting at UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television, which is a really great program. And uh, at the time that I was there, they were having all of the students from the different disciplines sort of uh, taking classes in in all aspects. So I was there as a screenwriter, but I took directing courses and television courses and what was then called critical studies courses. We call it sort of media studies now. And uh, so I really developed a love for history of uh, film while I was there as a screenwriting major. And then I worked for another 10 years in um, actually also in digital design. I was designing CD-ROMs and websites for a while until the dot-com bubble burst. And then I stumbled into um, adjuncting as an instructor of film history in Northern California. And I did that for a few years before I decided to return to UCLA to pursue my PhD in film studies. So it's been kind of a long route and a lot of schooling (laughs) on both sides, but um, I'm really happy to be uh, at Chapman right now, again, in the film school environment. And so that gets to the environment right now. We are taping during the pandemic, and this is one of the pandemic perspective episodes that we're doing. So to help us understand what it's like to be an adjunct right now, can you take us to a year ago and tell us what it was like then? (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, let's see how to begin. Um, Being an adjunct, I think most people know, or at least most other adjuncts know, 
You work, you work off the clock a lot. Um, we only get paid for X number of hours, and usually we have to work a little more than we're actually allotted. And so it's always been a stressful situation um, in terms of time management. Um, a lot of us are overworked. And um, so a year ago, I would say that I was making my peace with that situation, um, but I, I have been doing it for quite a while. Um, and I'm lucky that um, I'm married. My husband makes a good living, so I don't have to work quite as many classes as some of my other adjunct colleagues do to make ends meet. Um, so there's that. Uh, in terms of how the classes were, I was commuting to Orange County two to three times a week to teach my classes, depending on the days. And then I would, of course, commute back, which was a long slog from Los Angeles, where I live, for talking at least an hour, and on a bad day, it could be two hours each way. Um, so there was that. <laughs> but... Uh, being in the film school environment, it's a sort of exciting environment. As I go into class, I would pass, you know, students editing their films and students working in the, the scenic shop and things like that. So I definitely miss being actually immersed um, in that environment. Uh, Another thing is we have a, a really big state-of-the-art uh, theater there at Dodge College is the film school at Chapman University. And so our film students would see their weekly film screenings in this beautiful big theater. And that's sort of the part that hurts the most uh, now, not having access to the big theatrical experience. So you mentioned needing to go in three times a week. Does that mean you were teaching one class that met three times a week? What was your course load like that you were teaching as an adjunct this time last year? Uh, this time last year, uh, I think uh, I was teaching, I think technically like two and a half classes, but um, it would depend. Um, if I got lucky, I would be teaching maybe like one class that meets on Monday and Wednesday and another class that meets only on Monday. But it was always possible sometimes that I might teach one class on a Monday and a Wednesday and another one on a Tuesday or a Thursday. Um, scheduling is rough, I know. So at best, I was down there two days a week. And some days I would have to go down for meetings with students or other things like that, too. So it varied. And at some point, they had to make the decision to stop having face-to-face, -face, stop having the theater open, stop having the professors get to see what the students had filmed that week. How did those, did those decisions come in a trickle? Was it a hard shutdown? What happened? Oh, it was definitely a hard shutdown at, at Chapman. It was overnight. It really took us by surprise um, in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was really no not really any warning at all. I remember it being a Wednesday and I had stopped at the supermarket and saw that the shelves were empty. And by the end of the week, I think, I think it was actually Thursday. They told us go home and don't come back. So yeah, it was, it was super fast. So all the decisions that were made as to what we were going to do really just happened in a whirlwind overnight. You know, now what? And how did that affect the students? I mean, the professors just found out very suddenly, but the students would have to physically pack up and go. Yeah, that was that was super rough. Um, 
I, I, I think it was much harder for the students actually, or at least for me personally. I mean, of course it was stunning, but so many of the students were told to pack up, literally pack up and go because a lot of students are living on campus. And, um, also at least at Dodge college at the film school at Chapman, we have a lot of international students. So that was a super scary time for them. Like some of them couldn't go home to China or India. And, uh, what were they going to do that? That was a really rough couple of weeks there while that was being hashed out. So, and I know, um, some of the personal stories that I heard were students really having a, a tough time being scared, um, having to pack up and drive across the country. One student was telling me stories about driving with everything in his car and trying to get on the internet on his phone to look at the coursework. So the first thing I personally decided was that, okay, we're just going to chill out for a little while here. And um, I just really focused on trying to make sure like a mother hen with a bunch of chicks, I just tried to make sure I had contact with all of them at some point to find out how they were. Um, deadlines and things like that. We just had to let those slide for a little while at first. Yeah. And they send you home to LA for your safety, but at some point LA emerges as a massive hotspot of COVID. Yeah. I think, though, um, that actually didn't happen until much later. Uh, it wasn't so bad when we finished out the spring semester last year, because this went down in early March, and uh, we finished the spring semester in May. So the hardest part was really keeping track of everybody. Um, the, the good news for the spring semester last year was that I had already had I think four or five weeks with the students, maybe even more actually, maybe six. Um, before we had the order to go home. So I had seen them already and knew them face to face. And that was, that was important. Um, and then, and then, uh, you know, every semester there's a couple students through this circumstance or that circumstance that can't finish. And I had a couple, uh, in the spring semester that couldn't finish, but it actually wasn't any more than might be any other semester. So that was the happy surprise. Um, I started to find that as long as I became really flexible on deadlines and things like that, the students could catch up once they got settled. And for me, that was the most important thing. Just be, just trying to figure out how to be flexible and, and accommodate them in that way. Because they really, I feel like they met me more than halfway in, in jumping back in and doing whatever they could to re-engage and stay engaged for the rest of the semester. I was so proud of them. I really was really proud of them. And it wasn't, and then we had summer and it wasn't, I think until the end of summer that Los Angeles turns out to be one of the hotspots, but by then, whatever, <laughs> had been home already for quite a while. So take us back to when you realized you're going to have to take a face-to-face -face class entirely online. You, you've had almost 20 years of being an adjunct. Were any of those prior adjunct jobs online teaching or was this just like out of the frying pan into the fire kind of thing? That is a really interesting question. I had I mentioned briefly that I did work um, back in the 90s. I did do a lot of um, a website work and I worked on CD-ROMs, if anyone remembers what those are. And so... I kind of, and I, I was primarily working in academia 
when I was doing that. So I kind of had ideas about what we used to call in the old days, like edutainment and getting information across um, in a clear and somewhat entertaining manner. It, it actually, I did do some work at the Center for Digital Humanities at UCLA also where, so uh, where we were using course management softwares and things like that. So I've kind of had a, you know, a toe in uh, when it comes to academic technologies for quite a long time. Um, so I was, I'm really lucky in that way. Um, I've always had some kind of website for my courses, even before there was course management software. And then when course management software started to be available, I really jumped onto that. So I, I was lucky when this happened last March that I already had almost all of the assignments were already digital format. So online quizzes, online exams, um, online discussions and things like that. Um, there were a few things that I did live in class. Well, actually discussions and some other assignments that I had to translate, which, you know, um, that was a little bumpy at first, but I, I was really fortunate in having been, um, used to thinking about how to keep up a, a digital presence for the classes in the first place. So, yeah. And then when fall started, you knew in advance that fall would be totally online or, or what were you all thinking you might be able to open a bit? Well, the university liked to think that we might go back live, but all of us knew that that was never going to happen. So the, the policy kept going back and forth. It still goes back and forth on a daily basis. And I understand they really want to open back up to live uh, teaching as soon as possible. But, uh, you know, they have to be practical as well. But I, I know Chapman is going out of its way to try to put a lot of protocols in place so that we can go back as soon as we possibly can. So having said that, there was a lot of talk about us maybe going back sometime in the fall or late in the fall, but um, it was pretty clear that probably was unlikely. Um, I have to say, because everything happened so quickly in the spring, and we were sort of flying by the seat of our pants, the expectations were a little bit lower. And the fall actually was incredibly hard on me, really hard on me. I had an extra new class and um, getting all of the materials gracefully online. Uh, yeah, that, that was really, that's when things took a dark turn for me. Um, I, I was working 60 hours a week, I hate to say, and not paid for 60 hours a week um, through most of the fall. It, it was super bad, but uh, well, we survived, you know. How did you support yourself during that really rough time of working so incredibly hard uh, when everyone's overwhelmingly reporting just this tremendous mental fatigue? I mean, 60 hours a week now is a lot, but 60 hours a week now is more than 60 hours a week two years ago. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I guess I just probably just tuned out a lot. I think I just stopped listening to the news on a regular basis and, um, and really, uh, hold up because I just didn't have space for much else. I, I'm lucky. I don't have children. So I guess I was lucky. I didn't have too many other demands. I probably wouldn't have been able to, uh, get through it. I mean, I, I have had to train myself to do time-saving measures now because that, that was no way was that going to be sustainable again. Um, 
mainly because I had a, a brand new class, you know, as other instructors out there know, when you have a brand new class, you've got all new materials, you've got to create new quizzes, you've got to do new PowerPoints and new lectures and all of this stuff. And that, that really did me in in the fall. But luckily this semester, I'm only teaching a course I've taught before. And uh, so that that's much easier. And um, yeah, I, like I say, I, I just, I, I guess I cut down the rest of my life to almost nil just to get through in the fall. So Chapman's in Orange County, which for a while was a tremendous hotspot, Orange County itself. And then LA emerged as a hotspot. So how does that affect navigating your life? You've mentioned really shutting it down, but give us an idea of what what you would have been doing with a typical day or week two years ago versus what sort of your expected routine for yourself now. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I don't wear makeup anymore, and I don't commute in the car, so I have all that free time, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think I've, uh, I've really, on, on a philosophical note, I've become uh, mellower, more introspective, uh, you know, trying to keep things simple. Um, in my in my personal day to day life and in my teaching life, I I really but I <laughs> in the fall I was rolling out of bed at four thirty or five o'clock in the morning and working and starting working and then just working all the way through into the evening. the 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 funny thing is like of course when you're at home you can cook dinner and still be working at the same time that kind of thing. So I I know I was doing a lot of that in the fall, but I think I I you know. Um, and doing better and managing my time this semester. But uh, I, you know, I want to say, can we talk about, um, that's me and my personal end of it. But I, I do want to say, having said all of that, I mentioned, uh, you know, being really proud of the students. And I do want to say, I they they really have been meeting me more than halfway. I don't think I could have got through any of this if the students weren't working with me on the other end. Um, for every time there's some kind of technical snafu, I have someone emailing me to let me know. And I have, uh, you know, the students being super forgiving. I've, I, I try to be flexible with their deadlines and due dates and they've given me the same kind of respect and support in, in return. So I don't think I could have got through any of this if, if they hadn't been so generous also. How have you all come together to form that online community? You, you mentioned that when the shutdown first happened, you'd had five or six weeks face to face with your students. But since then, you've only met your students online and many of them are only meeting each other online. And how are you all coming together to make that community that you're so proud of and that's so important to you? I mean, can you hear it in your voice? It's really, it's really powerful. How are you all doing that? Oh, um, well, uh, for one thing, um, I don't know how it works in other disciplines, but uh, in our situation, I, I think, um, so it, mainly we're teaching like film history in a survey situation, and it's a lot. That is super dense material because every time you look at a segment of cinema history, you're taking in world history, political history, cultural history, and artistic history too. So every week we're on a different topic, and every week we're asking the students to really get through a lot of material. And so in for this class, I found that 
I don't do my lectures live. I record them, which was taking, that's what was taking me so long. But um, having them recorded means the students can watch them asynchronously when they have the time to sit down and focus. And to me, that ended up really, really helping them and me. It was hard on me to record them uh, on the on the you know back end, but once they're recorded, then I don't have to. You know, the students could have a window of like a day and a half during which they could watch them. And some of my students said they would watch them with their roommates over coffee. Um, some that lived at home watched them with their parents. You know, so I thought whatever whatever works. You know, <laughs> whatever keeps them interesting and engaged is is good. And then um, we've been doing online discussion boards so that they can talk to each other that way. And, you know, I will put up a discussion prompt and then let them talk to each other that way. And they love that. And that actually turns out to work better online than it did when we used to do it in person and only certain people would speak and other shy people wouldn't speak in an in-class situation. But at least for my classes, everybody speaks and everybody joins in and they've been super, I like what you said and I'm going to expand on what you said. So it's been really interesting and, and uh, for me to see that happen because really when we used to try to do discussion live, I had a hard time getting everybody to participate. Um, so that's, that's been good. And then as far as uh, in person, I do use zoom, but my class is really big. So I broke them into groups and, um, they rotate. So each each student is going to mandatorily be in a discussion group with me. Oops, sorry. Uh, each student will be in a discussion group with me um, twice, and then there's three all-class discussions, if that makes sense. So, so they have a chance to be in a smaller group and, and participate with me. And again, when they're in smaller groups and we're on Zoom, I can see them all, and so they can't hide from me then. And they... they, they they, they jump in and participate, again, more than they used to live. So that's the plus side of all of this. And are your students scattered? You mentioned when the school packed up, there were students who were trying to get back to India and China, students who had to drive cross-country, students who had to try to access Wi-Fi simply through their phone. How, what is your sense of how they're doing now as far as Wi-Fi access in a, in a, a reasonable workspace, you know, um, for the, for them to work? And then how do all the different time zones come together? Yeah, that is a great question. Uh, right now, I know I have, what do I have? I have two students, uh, one student in Japan, maybe one in Russia. Uh, I think one or two are in China. One is in Hawaii. One is in New York. I must, I'm probably forgetting somebody there. So yeah, that's, that's been wild. Um, but when <laughs> I told the ones that are too far off in time zone that I would figure out, they, they um, watch recorded when it's their turn to be live, I let them slide and then they watch the recording and respond later asynchronously because I can't really ask them to, to do otherwise. However, having said that, um, last semester, my students from China and, and Japan, they just had themselves on California time and uh, they still participated. They would join in on Zoom at four in the morning, their time. Um, they're dedicated, <laughs> really dedicated. So this is pro that's probably when you hear in my voice how proud I am of them. And that's some of what I'm talking about. My student from Russia as well. I, 
mostly the Wi-Fi, every now and then there might be an issue, but they're, they're not being asked to participate on Zoom very often. So they usually can figure out a way, their, their, their movies and their lectures are streaming video, and they usually haven't had too much trouble with that. So thank heaven. Um, when it comes to Zoom, we just, you know, deal with it, whatever we can. If they can't do video, then they can participate by audio only. But so far, that hasn't been too big of a problem. And as far as textbooks, um, do they have to get mailed? Have you figured out a way to use just uh, ebooks and things that are all available electronically? Or how do students get all the materials that they need? That's a very good question. So um, uh, luckily, the textbooks that I've used are available as ebooks. So that was okay. we did, so it is a history class, and when they have to do research, uh, that was a big song and dance, especially a year ago when it was so sudden and they could, just couldn't go to the library like we used to require for them to do. Um, so <laughs> we had to shift to relying on um, using online databases and access to materials that are online, which was a real trick. We're lucky in film studies that they exist, but you have to get really clever about using a multiplicity of resources. So using whatever you can get at through the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, I should say. Um, there are ProQuest old newspapers, like things like that, and um, old issues of magazines, and then also using academic journals. And most of my students are, um, you know, second year undergraduates. So I had to really uh, teach them how to use these things. And uh, that, that definitely was a challenge. And that challenge is ahead for me again this semester. <laughs> but I think I do think that that's um, a really valuable skill to have. So that the happy news is that they're being forced to use this skill when they might have sort of slid by doing something that was easier in the past. What do you think your students wish that you knew? Oh, gee. I can think of a lot of things that they're glad I don't know, but uh, (laughs) like that they're, you know, in their pajamas when they're uh, logging on and things like that. Um, Yeah. What do they wish that I knew? Uh, They probably wish that I knew how much time it takes them to complete everything. I, I have a sense that they're spending more time doing the coursework for this class than they have in the past. But I also have a sense that they're doing better work than my students have in the past. Uh, The other thing, because they're film students, um, they're usually under a lot of pressure to, you know, to be on set and do all the things that are required for shooting their student films. And I'm not a part of that. I'm the nasty history professor that's giving them extra stuff to do when they don't want to, you know, miss their shooting deadlines and things like that. So, um, having them be they're they're less involved in film production now during the pandemic so they have more time to focus on this academic course so that's good um but i think they're probably spending more time on the course than they would like to but i think they might also be getting more out of it than they would have otherwise too so what do you wish your students knew from your end 
how much time it takes for me to do some of the stuff that I do. Uh, the lecture recordings are killer. But uh, I mean, I also think, I mean, I just hope they know or wish they knew how deeply um, impressed by them I really have been, particularly this last year. Professors always worry about their students, even though we know that they're technically over 18, so they're adults. Uh, what, or what, do, what are your worries about them? Oh, good heavens, where to begin? Yeah, you mentioned that the, uh, Orange County was a hot spot. And uh, I, wow, was I so worried about them, especially in the fall when they all came back and they were, um, you know, they had roommates and they were, I know they had little social pods, if you will, but I was always worried about that. And I, it's not my business, but I was scared for them, you know, how, how safe they may or may not have been. Nobody got sick last fall though, so not good there. And, um, so that was, that was good. And I mean, I, I just worry about expectations for them. Um, I think most of my students are harder on themselves uh, than I think they need to be. So I worry about that a lot too. I, I try to spend time telling them not to worry so much. <laughs> they must be under tremendous amounts of pressure. And I know the pandemic hasn't really helped that. Do you have this sense that students know it's okay to ask their professors for help? Or do you have the sense that they feel guilty for asking? I'm seeing a lot on social media of students really they'll go to social media first with the question because they'll say, I don't know if I'm supposed to ask my professor. I don't want to bother my professor, or this might be embarrassing to ask my professor. Yeah. Um, I, that's, I'm not sure about asking outright questions. I mean, I hope they don't feel that way. They might be asking each other questions on the online discussion before they ask me. Um, you know, that's probably kind of normal. I hope they're not afraid to ask. We're covering some super hard material, particularly this week. Um, so we're talking about post-colonial cinema and uh, <laughs> that's, that's some, and political, you know, the politics of representation. So that's hard stuff this week. Um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, but I do know that they are afraid to ask me they always come to me and say, oh, I turned it in late. You can take points off. I know I shouldn't have. Oh, I made a mistake. I forgot this was due. And oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed and all of that. And that's the kind of thing where I say, like, I know they worry more than I, I wish. I, I don't want to tell everyone they can just turn in anything at any time. But the deadlines for me are only a way to help them manage what the, the course requirements are. The deadlines are there to help them manage their time and their workload, not to beat them up. So those are the kinds of things that I worry about that I, I hope that they feel, I try to tell them all the time that they can come to me and let me know if they're struggling in any way. Um, and the university has a lot of um, layers of resources built in. And I mean, I know having, I came from UCLA, which is a public school and Chapman's a private school. Um, 
but I know in both cases, there were layers and layers of resources. And I hope that students are not afraid to use them. I mean, they can use me, but also seek out other resources or even ask me if I know of other resources, because we have lots of things, psychological resources, um, financial resources, and things like, you know, groups that you can participate in for support. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I think when you're when you're a college student, you have access to more than you, you will ever again for the rest of your life, you know, easy access to that kind of thing. What support systems do you think that your students need right now? Uh, I, I think they need, I think they need each other a lot. Um, and I know that a lot of them are on campus in the dorms right now, and that's probably why. I, I think they need each other a lot. And I hope that the ones that aren't actually on campus are finding ways um, to interact with each other and their fellow students, because I think that's what helps keep them from feeling cut off. And like, so if they're struggling, they know they're not the only one struggling. They know that that's just normal. Um, they sh I hope they all know that anyway, because I see that all the time. Struggling, struggling through a semester, struggling with a class is a completely normal thing and nothing to be ashamed of, particularly now. But in even under normal circumstances, things happen. So. In a way, is struggle good for students? I'm thinking how if your classes are all something that you can manage quite well, you can take them in stride, that you haven't leveled up that every time we challenge ourselves more, there's going to be a struggle in that. We're going to get uncomfortable. We're not going to know things. Is there a way to, to frame struggle as a positive thing for your students? And where where is the sign that the struggle is, is not right for them, that they, they need to call in more of their lifelines? Oh, I love that question. Uh, yes, I absolutely think struggle is... Um, it is part of life and um, going through college is going to be a struggle, but I have a sense for whatever reason at this moment in time, a lot of students think that they have to shoulder it by themselves and they should be ashamed if they can't. And um, that's the part that breaks my heart. So I hope that they, it's a struggle, but something that we hope that they're meeting with ease. If it's, I mean, you know, it's a challenge and you meet that challenge and you go to the next one and you go to another challenge, maybe you don't do as well on this challenge, but you still get through it and you go to the next challenge. And, uh, and you have friends and professors and colleagues around you to help you through these things, to navigate these things. When it becomes so overwhelming that you can't keep up with the work, uh, whatever it is, if you miss one assignment or two assignments, but when you're chronically behind, that's when you need to take a look and, 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 and figure out what's going on. Because I really feel like it has, it's, it's more to do with making it through the process. Um, you don't have to worry about being a genius. If you are, that's wonderful. But uh, getting through it, uh, schoolwork isn't for it, it isn't a, a judgment. Even though we have to give you an A, B, or C, but uh, some people are brilliant and they just don't do well on tests. Um, I see this all the time. So I, I feel like if you're doing the work, you're doing well in my course. I'm not there to judge whether you're 
you know, a success, a failure or a genius or an artist or not, none of that. And so I feel like I, I want them to get used to the struggle because the struggle is never going to end. Life is full of struggle, but I also don't want them to beat themselves up so much. And if, if it be, if it's at a juncture where you can't keep up then, and you're kind of going under and beating yourself up in this, at the same time, you definitely need a lifeline. And there are so many available. So I, I urge any students out there not to hesitate to ask, ask for help. So you want students to know that the syllabus is divided up the way it is to break the course down into manageable chunks, not to have rigid deadlines, and that grades are really a way of keeping track of what's done and how much of what's done met certain rubrics, but it's not about the student as a person. So for the students as people and as scholars, what do you hope they'll take away from a class with you? Oh, I love that question. Yeah, that's exactly right, Christina. That's exactly my way of thinking of it. Oh, well, what I hope... Okay, so... I'm teaching film history, and people come in with lots of preconceived ideas about what a movie should be or shouldn't be, or what's a good movie and what's a a bad movie. And people are always asking me, like, what's the best movie of all time, or what's your favorite movie? And those are questions I simply cannot answer. Um, What I want students to come away with is a sense of openness, continually questioning, looking again. You don't like that movie? It kind of doesn't really matter whether you liked it or not. What is that filmmaker trying to express? Why did they make that movie? What is it about? Where is it coming from? Who is it talking to? Because if you don't like it, that's probably because it wasn't meant to talk to you in the first place. It was probably talking to somebody else. And so what's that conversation all about? And um, just because a movie has subtitles or something doesn't mean that it isn't worth your time. I think uh, particularly in this moment in our culture, there's an expectation that movies are supposed to entertain you and make you feel good in some way. But movies don't always have to do that. And there's a reason that they don't do that when they don't. And uh, so I really want students to go away being less judgmental and more open, more curious, and more curious about these movies that might not be super entertaining for them because that's what it means to be curious about other people, other cultures, other moments in time. It sounds like that skill of being curious and questioning the audience something is intended for is a skill they'll take to all their other courses. You said it's mostly first and second year students that you adjunct for. So as they go on to being juniors and seniors, they take these critical thinking skills with them. I certainly hope so. (laughs) I really hope so. I know a couple of times I've been contacted by students um, (laughs) who've come back to me later and said like, wow, I really wish I would have paid more attention in film history class because it turns out that information was useful. Um, So yeah, I I hope that the skills of critical... Critical seems like such a hard-edged word, but being opened, um, open to other messages, other and also visual communication. Because the other thing is that we're really trained to pay attention to dialogue and narrative. But the beauty of cinema is that it's um, able to communicate on many levels, including the visual and the sort of essential level. So yes, I hope they take all of those uh, critical thinking skills with them into their lives and their other studies. What do you hope this conversation sparks for listeners? Oh, 
I hope that uh, it makes the the experience of pandemic not seem so bleak because I, I know all of my colleagues are focusing on how awful it is and how terrible it's been. And I see that and I don't want to say that that's wrong, but I want to say that I feel like I've we've been able to find a lot of alternative ways of doing things that we might not have otherwise. And I think it's ultimately really empowering. I mean, I love that I went to my first class and saw my students in Russia and my student in Japan at the same time on the same Zoom. I was shocked to see them because I told them they didn't have to come live, but they did. And uh, so technology that enables us to do that is just incredible. I mean, I know there's going to be downsides to all of that, but I I really hope that um, we can embrace the, the things that we've come that we've learned through the pandemic and, and come out more empowered on the other end. Is your hope that when the school opens back up, they will continue to provide for online aspects to the teaching where students can be in your classroom and they can be at home and in another country tuning in and participating at the same level? Well, that would depend on how much technical support they're willing to give us adjuncts, because I definitely can't do a live lecture commuting down to Orange County and back, and in addition, record the lecture with the quality that I have been doing. I would need someone, you know, we would need more of the kind of support that online teaching has. But I, I, I think people should think about that. I think that could be interesting. I mean, I know it has a downside. Uh, there's always the there's always the fear as an adjunct that you're going to record your lectures and then they're going to slip out of your hands. I mean, I would really be upset if somehow it turned out that some institution was using my recorded lectures to teach without compensating me. So I know that there's lots of uh, pitfalls there, but um, if, if there was a way to do um, some sort of hybrid teaching where my lectures were partially recorded and maybe the discussion was live with students tuning in via Zoom, that could be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, there could be lots of ways of doing this. So, What is your biggest hope going forward? Well, okay. My most immediate hope is that the students can go back to seeing movies in the movie theater the way they were meant to be seen. <laughs> That's been the worst part of teaching film history. I mean, it's terrible to expect students to, what are they, they give you watching Life of Pi and see that on their laptops. That's a travesty. Um, the, the films, at least in my class, were meant to be seen on the big screen. And the fact that students are watching them at home on, I don't even know what kind of device is heartbreaking for most of us film historians. And I mean, and that goes for the, the, you know, the commercial realm too. We can't, none of us can wait until movie theaters are open again. That's just heartbreaking. Um, so that's my most immediate hope that it won't be too much longer before they can do that. Um, but I, I hope that, well, I hope that maybe there will be more infrastructure for continuing with some of these technologies that we've implemented recently, whether, whether it's streaming video for classes or Zoom for certain things, things like that. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Don, and telling us your pandemic perspective as an adjunct. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler. You've been listening to The Academic Life on New Books Network.
please join us again.